Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. I'm your host, Garrett Lynch, and as always, let's get ready to own it. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. On this episode, I sit down with the dynamic Rachel Richards, the brains behind Money Honey. Rachel retired at just 27 years old with a real estate portfolio of 38 rental units, and she is on a mission to help other female millennials take control of their financial futures. We'll get into the show with Rachel Richards in just a second, but first, Cam248 said, this is a great show. I listened to my first show recently and thought it was amazing. I'll be watching more episodes to learn from. That was from Apple Podcasts. So if you guys have learned something from listening to the podcast, please give us a starred review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow our listener base, and we really appreciate it. Also, if you guys want to get into real estate investing alongside the pros, aka us at Nighthawk Equity, reach out to us at nighthawkequity.com, set up a call. Uh, So you click the join the investor club button, set up a call with us to see if it's a fit to get into a real estate deal and be completely passive with it. And that we're, we're seeing some awesome deals out there right now. It's, it's tough to put one together, but when one does come around, you best believe that right now it's, it's a really good deal. So reach out to us to see how you can get involved. A success highlight from one of our students is Reed Starkey acquired an additional 98 doors bringing his total to 350. He started a $25 million fund to invest in distressed properties as well. Really cool read. So Reed Reed was a student mentored by somebody in the Michael Blanc network. And so if you guys want want to figure out how to potentially follow similar suit, reach out to us at themichaelblanc.com slash mentor. Set up a call with us as well to see if mentoring is right for you. So really quick, before we get into the show, what I want to I talk about a little bit is what to do and, and kind of a mentality around going through a tough time. So if you're going through a time that's really tough, like overly tough, a death in the family or a divorce or something along those lines, one of the ways that I typically, and I've, I've gone through all kinds of different tragedy and terrible things. One thing to think about is at some point, this is going to be the greatest gift that has been given to me. And if you can figure out how to put that mindset in your peripheral while it's going on consistently, that is something that that allows you to spin out of it much faster. And I think I've had to go through multiple instances before I even realized that. And so just thinking like there, there is a gift. I don't know what it is yet. There's something on the other side that is going to shine brighter than this dark time that I'm in right now. There, What happens is it's like everybody's going through life at like a baseline and there's good and bad things that happen along the way. And then something really detrimental happens or multiple comes crashing down on, on somebody all at one time and you dip below that baseline level. What's happening is those are your periods of growth. And 
often what happens is you slingshot up over your baseline into an even better place. But happiness is is always fleeting. It's not something that is just consistently there. It's something that comes and goes all the time. And everyone's always seeking, oh, I want, I want to be happy. Well, if you can be content with the present and in the pursuit of your greatest potential as an as a human being, you're gonna hit that happiness level many more times and it's gonna go away again, but you'll you'll touch on it a lot more if you are are really present in that moment. So it's just some some advice that I've I found to be helpful that I wanted to share with you guys before we get into the show. So let me give the intro to our guest here. Rachel Richards is known for her popular platform, Money Honey, and has defied the traditional norms and achieved financial independence by the age of 27 with a robust real estate portfolio of 38 rental units. She's also a 2X best-selling author and influential voice in a financial education. Rachel is dedicated to helping young women manage their finances effectively and achieve their own financial freedom. We're excited to have Rachel here to share her knowledge and insights so let's get started. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Garrett. I appreciate it. So you've you've got some really cool stuff going on and you're pretty young at 27 years old. Talk to us about some of the business ventures you got going on at the moment. Yeah, thank you. I, I used to be 27. That's when I retired. I'm 31 now. But oh, okay. yeah, so I'm a real estate investor and I have a few properties. I'm a best-selling author. And I spend most of my time teaching people how to manage their money and invest in real estate. I try not to work too much at this point anymore because I'm trying to actually be financially independent and retired, but that's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. And and you've created a platform called Money Honey. How did yeah. you figure out that that's what you wanted to do? And talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I always had a passion for helping people with money. And I used to be a financial advisor, but I didn't love the sort of sales aspect of being a financial advisor. So I didn't stay in that role for long, but the desire to help people with investing never went away. I just had to find a different way to do it. And all my family and friends would come to me for financial advice. And I remember thinking, well, why aren't they listening to podcasts or reading books or learning stuff online like I'm doing? And I had this epiphany where I was like, oh yeah, that's because personal finance is boring, right? It's overwhelming and it's complicated and it's complex. So no wonder people don't like to learn about it. So that's where the idea for my first book came along. And I thought, well, how can I make this topic sassy and fun and simple? And I started writing my first book, Money Honey, in 2017. And then the name kind of stuck. So I am now known as Money Honey Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> what is Money Honey? It is just the title of my first book. It's I needed something that was rhymed and that clever it was clever. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> that's cool. So yeah, and you're right. I mean, there's not not a ton of financial literacy that's that's given to people early on i mean or it's, or it's just they glaze over what it is a lot of the stuff in school is is maybe not applicable to when you get out into the real world so you're you're like listen let me box this up and put it in a, a more digestible form and exactly uh, yeah that's that's really cool Thanks. so also and and so you were you were doing you had a, a job before and you, and you're helping people in the finance world. And then you're like, you know what, let me, let me just pivot into this. When did you get involved in real estate? I started investing when I was 24. 
And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in high school. So that's always a light bulb book for many of us. I always knew I didn't want to work for somebody else the rest of my life. And when I learned about real estate investing, to me, that was my way out of the rat race. So I figured I'm going to make this happen eventually. And then several years later, age 24, I bought my first duplex and I kind of grew my real estate portfolio with my ex-husband. We worked on it together, contributed financially together 50-50. And so over the next few years from 2017 to 2019, we purchased six properties, 38 doors. And so by the time we stopped in 2019, we were making $10,000 a month in passive profits, pure cash flow. Wow. So $10,000 a month in passive profits. What was your goal with that? Was it was it just to... Did you have like a certain income goal that you wanted to reach? Was it just until we have no money, more money? Yeah, it was really an income goal. We weren't spending more than five or 6000 a month in expenses. So we could have stopped around seven grand a month, but we just wanted to feel really financially secure and have a lot of extra buffer room. So that's how we had $10,000 a month as our goal. And I'm really proud of us for sticking to that because I think a lot of investors get caught up in you know, always moving the goalpost further. And a lot of people were like, well, why are you stopping? You could have 200 units, 250 units. You could amass an empire of units. And that just was never our goal. We wanted to own real estate as a means to an end and not because we were super passionate about being landlords. We just wanted to reach financial independence and then spend our time doing the things that we loved. So we we basically stopped acquiring property when we hit that point. What does financial independence mean to you? I feel like it means you can do whatever you want, basically. You can work when, where, and if you want, and you don't have to work at all. And you don't have to worry about money and you don't have to set an alarm. All those things to me are financial independence. Got it. So so you get to so you get to like ten thousand a month and you're like, you know, that our number was below that, but this is a number that that makes us feel a bit more comfortable. Now, is there any goal to maybe like increase the lifestyle and up that to an even higher level? For me, I've never had a specific lifestyle that I was into in terms of like a house or a car. I did get divorced last year and most of my money now goes towards travel. I just really love to travel. So that's the one thing I won't cut back on, but I've designed my life in such a way that I am still saving so much money and I'm making like 20K a month in passive income now. But for example, I knew that I wanted to spend most of my time in Denver. I want to spend my summers in Denver, Colorado. And so I figured I should buy a property here. So as a real estate investor, I had to think of a way I could buy a property and make money on it and live for free and all that stuff. So I actually did my first house hack this year where this is the property I'm sitting in. I purchased this duplex, renovated it into a fourplex, and I am living for free and even making money on top of that. So that's great. And then when I leave and I rent out my own unit, I'm making even more. So I don't have any housing expense. I don't even own a car. So I drive rental cars. And when I'm out of the country, I don't have any car insurance, car payments, anything like that. My biggest expense right now is health insurance. And I I really do feel like I'm living a very comfortable and amazing lifestyle right now. And it only costs me a few thousand dollars a month. So I'm still saving a massive amount. I could upgrade if I wanted to. I just don't feel the urge right now. Maybe that will happen eventually. Yeah. And that's that's a good point. I mean, there was a part of a portion of my life in my 20s where I was I was making a good income, but I was pretty much spending it all. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that in general. They're just, they're trying to keep up with, with certain things. Recently this year, I actually like, so I had, I had a huge reset where I, I thought I was all set up on my first apartment business and ended up blowing up. And that was a reality check for me. So at that point I was like, I started to learn how to be frugal because I didn't have much income coming in. I had a bunch of cash that I got from my buyout, but I was having to figure out how creative ways on how to keep that and save. So when I stepped back into my, my next apartment business, I was set up to be more frugal. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to live beneath my means this time. And I'm just going to take all this extra cash and invest it as I make it. And so as the money came in, I'm plowing it into more more LP investments or wh- whatever I find that's out there that makes sense that I think fits my investment profile. I'm still living on on, you know, way beneath my means all the way. And that that is really a freeing mentality when you when you have that ability to do that and you're just like, you know what, I'm I could do this, but I'm not I'm not going to. Because the the reality is, is once you get up to a certain lifestyle, it's it's difficult to go back the other way too. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? I, like, I still haven't flown first class and I'm at the point financially where I could very much do that. But I know that once I do that, I'm never going to want to go back. So I'm still trying to hold off for as long as possible. I have, I have friends in one in particular that started doing Disney with the family with the VIP. So there's like this, I guess there's a, a way you can hire someone and it costs like six or $7,000 for the day. And they take you to the front of the line and all the rides. It's like over the top, like it's an That's amazing cool. experience, but now they, they can't do it, do it normal. No, you can never <laughs> <It's>, go back. <laughs> you can't go backwards from that. So it's like, and I'm like, I'm not doing that because, yeah, because I don't, I don't know if I want to have to hit that, that bar every time. Right. So I think that having done it both ways where I was like basically meeting, you know, my income level and, and spending and and doing it this way, it's just like, you don't have that stress, that extra stress of where's my next dollar coming from and getting, I think like for me, financial freedom is just getting to a place like you said, where it's like, you just don't have to think about that. Like the money and you're like, ah, I'm not really have to worry about that at this point. Yeah. And to add to that, in terms of what financial independence means to me, it actually, it took on a whole new meaning for me last year when I was going through my divorce, because that was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through in my life, like dealing with depression and grief and everything. And I remember thinking, because I I booked a one-way ticket to Italy when we first split up and I had my eat, pray, love moment in Italy, but and I was over there for two months, but I remember thinking, because I was just, it was fun, but I was crying and breaking down and really hard time. And I remember thinking like, thank God for my financial independence, because I don't know what I would have done if I had to also be worried about paychecks right now or losing my job or having to pay the bills. And because I had built that financial security for myself, I could run away and I could escape and I could heal and I could focus on myself and do the things that I needed to do to get better. And I just feel like People don't take financial independence seriously enough for that reason. You know, what if somebody in your family dies? What if your child gets cancer or your wife gets cancer or or you get cancer? The last thing you want to be worried about is money. And at some point, we're all going to go through something really hard. And y- your life will be a hundred times easier if you don't have to worry about money during that time. 
Yeah, and there's a certain, I think there's like a certain baseline that you have to be above. Some people say it's 100, some people say it's 250 a year, some, whatever it is, but they're at a certain, or, or maybe it's a certain level of passive income, but you have to, like, the closer you are to the ground, you're you're closer to, to zero, right? So you you need to, to lift up above that and and build the skill set and, and have your financial thermometer actually built up to a certain level. There's, or it's, a, it's really not the thermometer, it's the thermostat. So if, if you can, everybody has a financial thermostat, right? And if you can, your, whatever your financial thermostat is at, even if you, if someone, this is why people go broke with the lottery, right? If your financial thermostat's set at a hundred thousand, let's say, and you get 5 million bucks, there's a good chance you're going to go back down and, and spend most of that until you're back to that level. Building that up, that thermostat up to a certain level of income and either passively or actively and understanding what that is, it's, it, you'll be surprised how many times you go back to that. And it's, it's not easy to get to that, but you can have a thermometer where it comes up and down. And I think that that was, once I, once I built that thermostat, that was like big, like a higher level on that. That was a big realization for me. And I could see it, it being a lot harder to, to come off that. Yeah, that's very true. If you're interested in passively investing in multifamily syndications, then check out our investment firm, Nighthawk Equity, at nighthawkequity.com. You can learn more about us, our team, our track record, and investment process, and you can schedule a call with us as well. Just click the Join button. You can fill out a short form to join our investment club, and then you can schedule a call with us. We'd love to have a conversation with you and share some of our upcoming opportunities. Again, that's nighthawkequity.com. Talk to you soon. That's really cool. So, so well, you're going through a, a you know a really hard situation, having that extra money and and having that kind of income, but you're also maybe maybe having to deal with that in the divorce too. So, mm-hmm. how how did you kind of work through that? Yeah, it was tough. I was hoping that the split would be amicable, and unfortunately, it wasn't. And we had actually sold most of our rental properties the year before, which didn't have to do with our divorce. So by the time we did split up, we had five units left. So those were further divided. We sold a few of them and he kept one and I kept one basically. But I was so self-conscious about that for a while because I have a lot of credibility on like my social media and being known for scaling from zero to 38 units in three years and all this stuff. And then I had like two units coming out of my divorce. And I was like, no one's going to take me seriously anymore. And I was making this joke for a while, like how to go from 38 units to two units in a year, get a divorce. (laughs) Follow me for more real estate investing advice. (laughs) Well, I had something similar happen where I went from 3,400 units down to 18. And that's uh, quite a decrease, quite a jump. huge, (laughs) Huge downshift also. Yeah. Where I went from having more employees than I knew what to do with to collecting quarters out of the machine at my 18 unit, <laughs> depositing <laughs> them, hoping that I, I had enough income this this month yeah. on the one building. So I, I understand that that whole feeling where you're like, okay, maybe I'm an imposter or something. Yeah, that's how it felt. Right. It, it feels like that. You're like, well, shoot, what am I doing at this point? But I knew that like I had tasted that higher higher level of real estate. I'm like, well, I'm gonna get back to that somehow. I just gotta figure out well, how, what's the next steps on how to do it. And 
my divorce was kind of like a, it was more of a business divorce. It was like partnership mm-hmm. breakup, but it, but it felt, I, I'd say that maybe even worse than a than normal divorce because it, it was completely financially tied. Everything was, how mm-hmm. do we split this up? How do we do that? And it becomes this really difficult situation that you just can't see on the other side, what the, what the lesson is. And it took me years to get back on my feet. And then now I'm seeing all the lessons. Yeah. Way, way far later, you know. And what I've learned is that successful people who have achieved for th- success for themselves once, they can do it over and over again. And what was comforting to me during my divorce, because it was it was such a legal battle, so intense and so hard. And I remember thinking at one point, and my dad kind of helped me get to this mindset, like he could take everything from me. He could take, you know, all of the real estate. He could fight, try to take all my money and whatever. And maybe he will, and maybe that's what will happen. And then I just reminded myself, he can never take away my knowledge and my experience and my drive and my ambition. And if he takes it all, I will build it all back and then some. And I knew that. And it was a tiring, exhausting feeling because I'd already done it once. I didn't want to do it again. But I knew at the end of the day, if that's what happened, I would come back like bigger and better and stronger. Honestly, it's hard to to think like that. So in in my situation, I had kind of an oppressive situation where I was being told that I would never, never be like this person, right? They're like, yeah, you, you <sighs> never do what I do. And I was missing certain resources. I didn't know about you know, how to raise capital at the time. I didn't know, I I didn't have knowledge and enough knowledge on the accounting side and like just different things that on the finance side, skills that I didn't have that I was doing other things in the business at the time. And so I couldn't think like that yet. And I think that's what took me so, so much longer to, to really get back on my feet. I think I was knocked down for longer than I wanted to be. Yeah because I had to figure out those skills. So being able to go in and just, and you're like, you know, Hey, my, my knowledge is there. I have it. Uh, I had to go first seek out where those points were that I was like, okay, in order for me to be complete, a complete player, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. What kind of skills exist out there? And, and people, this is a something people that say, don't ignore like what you're bad at. Okay. And, and go just double down on what you're good at. Listen, I get that. But at the same time, I feel like in your business, you should know every single aspect of what goes on and, yeah. and at least know enough to be dangerous. I know there's certain points in, in my business that are not, you know, I'm not going to be the, the rock star at this specific thing, but I learned enough to know how to manage it. Yeah, exactly. I, and people are always like, well, should I hire a property manager when I first invest in real estate? And you can, and it'll be pa- more passive that way. But I think you will ultimately have a stronger business if you start off self-managing and you really get into the weeds yourself because then later you'll be able to manage your property managers better because you have that awareness and you have that knowledge. And I think that's a really good point. It's true. I mean, I, there was a point where we are we had a lot of D-class stuff, like real bad stuff, and, <laughs> and there's no property manager on earth that can effectively manage D-class third party. It just doesn't doesn't exist. There's too many things going on. So we had to self-manage and there were times when I was the property manager, we'd lose a property manager. I would go to the site and I'd live there for a month and I'd run it. And just like you said, like now I look back at it, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's going on in site, how this works. They're, they're not leaning on their leasing agent in this way. 
not only that, I've, now I've hired people that know even more than me. So I have, yeah. but I have that just enough where I know, okay. And then you can build out those skills even further. It's like, oh, you know, I didn't like, I honestly, I didn't know there were a period of time. I didn't know much about accounting and I hired a, a consulting firm to just literally make me do my own books on the 18 unit by myself. And just, just so I could figure out how to do bookkeeping and understand how, how all that works. And now I now I have enough knowledge to just be dangerous with it where I'm like, okay, I can watch all all these things. I'm not going to be at a CPA level, but I have now I I know how to manage those people. Exactly. And that's also a good way to prevent people from taking advantage of you, which that's happened to me many times, contractors, property managers. And if you don't know what's going on in your business, it's really easy for people to lie and cheat and steal and take advantage of you. So just by knowing what like how to do their job, you can prevent a lot of that. Which ways do you think people are, or have you seen people take advantage, try, try to take advantage of you? One of the biggest mistakes I made, this is so embarrassing, but I'll share this story so others cannot make the same mistake, is when my ex and I were at about 26 units, we were still working full time. And so we were like, we can't keep self-managing. So that's when we hired a property manager. And instead of going with a licensed, insured, reputable property management company, we hired this couple who had been working for us. And they did stuff like maintenance, cleaning, yard work. And they were the hardest working people I'd ever met. So we trusted them. So we were like, well, why don't we make them employees of our company and make them the property managers? And we'll save a little money and it'll be a win-win. And it was not a win-win. It was a win-lose. They won. We lost. <laughs> My ex went to collect rent on site one weekend and he noticed there was a lot of rent money missing and not just a normal tenant or two paying late. It was a significant amount. And come to find out this couple had stolen $6,000 in rental income from us that weekend and just fled, went MIA. So that was really hard because we came to knew them know them really well we had them in our house we worked with them very closely and to find out they stole and they were squatting in the vacant units and rooms in our properties for a year too so it was just such a violation and you know we we got taken advantage of because we weren't paying attention we knew how to run the business but we became too hands off with it so there were there were signs of things that didn't add up but I was so busy at the time that I didn't dig into that further, which I should have done. But that was a big lesson learned that being cheap can cost you a lot more money in the long run. And that's not the place to cut corners. And that goes for everyone on your real estate team, your attorney, your CPA, your contractor, your property manager. The cheapest option is rarely the best option. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think that you're trying to cut corners or you're trying to make your business extremely passive where you're just like, I'm completely hands off and, it, and I, I'm never going to look at it. I think that's definitely opens you up to get burned. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a, there's a certain healthy level where you, you need to be watching things mm -hmm. uh, or at least having someone run audits that you set up. I think auditing in general is something that maybe doesn't happen enough, but is, is so important for, for you to set up some kind of system around what, what are you looking at? financially and you know just just generally like even doing something as simple as auditing your rent roll there's so many mistakes there's so many variables in property management that can go on and you got to pick the best the ones that you want to watch the most and and really circle around those yeah and see what you can do so Rachel what's what's next for you i am trying to do less <laughs> i've worked really hard my whole life and i know i'm young but I feel like I got a lot done in the last decade. So honestly, my goal is to 
give myself some time to relax and just do the things I love, hike and play the piano and write and maybe learn a language and travel and dance salsa and the things that bring me joy. So I'm trying to make my business as passive as possible and and sort of take a break from it. I'm really looking forward to this next phase. Just just to take some time to kind of reset. Yeah. And I'm not one to stay idle for long. So I'm sure my next project or business idea will come to me. But in the meantime, I'm actually going to quote unquote retire this time. <laughs> and yeah. I think really ultimately I want to write more books. I, I loved writing. I've always wanted to be an author. That's how my business started. And I feel like it's kind of my calling and my talent. So I, I would love to write more books. Wow. So you you basically use real estate as a vehicle to do whatever you want and mm-hmm. and just just live the lifestyle that you, that you want to live. And you're not, it's, you know, now you're like, listen, I don't want to be super active in it. I got people that I trust. Guys, for you guys listening out there, you can, you can do this too. This is something that exists out there. You don't have to own a ton of rental units uh, that are, that are super levered and all that stuff. It it doesn't have to be that way. You can do Mm -hmm. stuff, stuff like house hacking. You can, you can keep, you can own the majority of a smaller amount of units and it could be the same thing as a small piece of a larger runner portfolio, which is exactly what, what Rachel did. Rachel, did you ever look at the idea of, of raising private money and, and putting into deals or was it not really on your radar? Yeah. And a lot of people have asked me and I'm, I am getting more and more curious about it because I do have a platform now, which is amazing. And I've started to teach about syndications. I'm actually an LP in 10 syndications now. So I maybe that'll be my next thing. I'll be a capital raiser, but I am still trying to give myself this time of not doing anything, which is so hard for a workaholic like me. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you have to be intentional <laughs> yeah. with taking taking the time off and be like, hey, this is okay. Like I, I'm I know. I'm okay with doing this right now. I I struggle from the same the same thing for sure. I did a simulation retirement after the first my first business got sold. Mm. And I just I was like, you know, I'm just gonna simulate this and see what it's like. And I went and I traveled for a hundred days. So I just went same, same thing as you booked a one-way flight to Thailand. <laughs> and then I just, I was like, you know, for a hundred days, I'm going to figure out just whatever I want, wherever the wind blows me. And then I went to Bondi beach near Sydney in Australia. And I just sat on that beach for a few weeks. I'm like, I'm just going to live this beach <laughs> life or whatever. <laughs> and by the end of all of it, you know, for me personally, well, I was super glad that I did it. I was like not producing enough. And I, and I started to feel like empty because I wasn't producing which mm. is weird because I always thought that the end game was to go live on a beach and be retired. And that was, that was like it, like that was the thing for <laughs> until I experienced it. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't know. Like, this is crazy. I, this is not what I thought for me at that time. I was like, I kind of want to get back in the game. So point is is that you go through you go through cycles yeah there's a different chapters to everyone's life and not saying one is better or worse than the other i think this chapter right now for you makes a ton of sense just just hearing what you're saying and this is a great a great thing for you to be able to just separate and, and the fact and be proud of the fact that you built up a rental portfolio that gives you the, the access to that Thank you. Yeah. I want to feel like how you felt after a hundred days where I'm like, okay, I have the itch to do something. Cause right now I don't. 
And I think that this break is going to give me that opportunity to figure out what's next. I, I really think that just from an analogy standpoint, like the, the further you slingshot into something, like it'll, it'll launch you even further the other direction, <laughs> which is what happened as it happened to me uh, over time. But yeah, that, that was, I was exactly where you were at this mm-hmm. phase post my business divorce. It's like, I don't want to do shit. I don't want to see <laughs> partners. I don't want to partner. I don't want anything. I don't want to look at, I don't even like real estate right now. I'm, I'm I don't <laughs> like any of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm just going to go and do something else and see what, see what I, where the wind blows me. Right. And that's what relit my fire was going through that process. Yeah. I I love that. I'm glad you shared that with me. I think for me, I don't feel fulfilled unless I'm making an impact and it doesn't have to be that I'm making an impact and profiting from it anymore because I don't need to, but I do notice that I feel the most full and passionate when I can tell I'm making an impact on others. So I know I'm not going to do nothing for the rest of my life. Something will come to me and hopefully I can help people in a bigger or different way. What to you makes the the most impact or or that you've experienced so far? I remember when I first self-published Money Honey and I I had so much imposter syndrome and I was like, no one's going to read this. And I kind of ignored it for the first six months and didn't realize it was starting to sell a lot and I was actually making money. And when I finally looked at stuff, because at first you have all your friends and family saying, oh my gosh, it's so good. And it's like, yeah, right. You're going to tell me that even if it sucks. So, but after six months, I remember I started to get messages and emails from people like all over the country saying, Rachel, thank you so much for writing this book. I've paid off my student loans or this book has changed my life. Like, thank you. And I, it just blew my mind that random people who didn't know me were taking the time to reach out and let me know. And I won't ever forget that feeling. And anytime I do something where I have that feeling again, that's when I feel like I am aligned. I'm on the path that I need to be on. I'm I'm doing the thing that I was meant to do. So that's what I'm after. Wow. And not even necessarily monetizing. I mean, that that can come from it, but... Yeah, I think it naturally does. I think when you have yeah. that impact, you're going to make money. 100%. Because you know, you know, you have people that that know, like, and trust you from, yeah. from some medium or or something that you help them with, right? Mm-hmm. So for you, that man, that's that's so cool. And first of all, the the book itself, did you just like how did you figure out how to do all that? Because not everybody has a book. Yeah, and you know what? There's some crazy statistic. Like 83 percent of Americans have a dream of writing a book. So this is something I found a lot of people want to do and don't know how. And I would recommend the biggest resource that helped me was the book published by Chandler Bolt. I never took his course. He has courses and coaching. I never did any of that. I just bought the ten dollar book, and I followed his process to a T. So that was very helpful to me. And I I have a second book called Passive Income Aggressive Retirement that outlines different passive income streams, self-publishing being one of them. So I share a little bit more about my journey in that book as well. Wow. Yeah. There's right now, you, if you, if anyone that has like that, that dream, there's, there's different resources. Like she just mentioned, there's even companies that'll write your book for you. Yeah. You ghostwriting, them, you know, all that stuff. It depends how, how you want to do it. But th- I love, love hearing that. That's awesome. Thank you. Rachel, how can people get a hold of you if they want to? 
Yeah, thanks, Garrett. My Instagram is Money Honey Rachel, and both of my books, Money Honey and Passive Income Aggressive Retirement, are available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio. And what I would love to do for anyone listening is give my Passive Income Starter Kit for free. So if you would like to download that, you can go to moneyhoneyrachel.com forward slash passive income. Awesome. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. This was so much fun. I appreciate it. Guys, I loved what Rachel said about how about how she has created a, a level of financial independence that's allowed her to just kind of be flexible and do whatever she wants. And that's that's something that it's not always, it's definitely not easy to get to that point. But this is a big part of why we do what we do as real estate investors and entrepreneurs, because that's really the dream is to have enough passive income, quote unquote, coming in to cover our lifestyle and then figure out ways to focus on being passive inside the business so that you know that the cash is coming in every month. And Rachel has achieved that, which which is really cool. And I know other people that have many other people. In fact, a lot of them, we have them on the show. But when you get to that place, it allows you to avoid the down cycles or at least take down cycles, not avoid them, but take them on with a new perspective and not have to worry about money when it comes to, you want to deal with all that other stuff that's going on and and solve those problems on the personal side or the business side or whatever, but not worry about the money side of your life. So I really love what she talked about. She talked about that. I also thought that her goal of reaching out and helping people with having something behind it was really impactful as well. She's she's going more for purpose at this point than actual money. And that's typically what follows when people get to the place where they get they're financially independent. They're now they're seeking more purpose. By the way, you can do both. You can seek purpose out before you even are financially independent. There's no there's no rules around it. And maybe you'll become financially independent because you followed your purpose. These things are really important to look at. And I think the, the fact that that's her focus right now and, and that is what's driving her every day is really powerful. So with that, guys, thanks for tuning into the show today. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.